Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The more I think about Nick Foles, the more I just, it, it's so crazy, this whole situation. And sure, everybody wants Foles to be the starter. Well, uh, some people want Foles to be the starter long term. I think deep down when you look at it, you just got to believe that Wentz is going to be the guy. He's young. He's shown you so many superstar plays. And that's the direction you got to go. But we also got to talk about the Sixers here. Because in terms of superstars, Embiid's running his mouth a little bit. People are mad about Ben Simmons not taking a jump shot. So who better to talk to than Rich Hoffman from The Athletic, who's joining us now. What's up, Rich? What's up, Vince? I uh, I also don't know what to make of Nick Foles, by the way. Isn't it like one of the most oddest historical things? I, I really can't think of anything that's similar to what Nick Foles has done. No, he's just uh, the range of outcomes that he could give you on a given day are just crazy. Yeah, it's it's crazy because you get superstar out to the greatest quarterback of all time in the Super Bowl, and then you get, like, he's going to throw, I don't know, two interceptions in Tampa Bay and look horrible, and you'll score nine points. There will be you – know, if football is still around in 40 years, people will still try try to figure out who he – you know, how he did this uh, <laughs> at some point, yeah. Yeah, he's going to be one of the most fascinating cases ever for the NFL, no doubt about it. Now, let's go talking about the Sixers and Celtics, Rich, because that was a big measuring stick game for a lot of fans and a lot of expectation. What did you take away from the game? Uh, I actually came away feeling a little more positive than I think a lot of people did. I know it was frustrating that they lost. It was frustrating how they lost with you know, poor late game execution, you know, the Celtics kind of locked them down in the second half of the fourth quarter in overtime. But I have to be honest, Vince, I, you know, they were getting their butts kicked pretty much on a consistent basis in these high profile matchups mm-hmm. earlier in the year. And they didn't look out of place in this game. I mean, they shot, I think it was 15 of 40 from three. So, so no crazy, you know, shooting game kept them in it. Their bench, which we all knew coming into the night, was, you know, it's it's not good enough. They gave you pretty much nothing. I think it was 13 points or something like that. Mike Muscala, I think he was one of eight. That needs to be upgraded. So, you, you know, knowing all of the team's weaknesses, Ben Simmons jump shooting and how that's tough against the best teams, the bench, the perimeter defense, knowing all of those things, I thought they looked pretty good uh, going into TD Garden. And, yeah, they, they, there are some things they do need to work on, but I, I felt more positive than I think most people did after the game. Yeah, there was a lot of negative. It, it, people are just upset, you know. They want the win so bad. How about this? One of the big things that people were criticizing from that game was the J.J. Redick play at the end of regulation. What would you think of that play? Yeah, uh, well, I, I think, you know, there's part of the reason people are criticizing or uh, or emotional about that game is because the Sixers just, they can't beat the Celtics. I think people just want to see one win against these guys yeah. to get off the schneid. Uh, as far as the Redick play is concerned, it's a play that they run all the time. They ran it in the, in the guts of the game 
in playoff games last year as well in Miami, and it worked. I, I didn't mind it. I like the call uh, after Kyrie Irving just hits a ridiculous shot. I like that he didn't call a timeout because they had Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward on the floor, two bad defenders. You don't want to call timeout and let them get better defenders on the floor. Uh, and as far as that play is concerned, I, I didn't mind it. Uh, I don't think that the Sixers executed it that well. I don't think Redick executed that well. It was an okay shot, but I, I don't, you know, I think Embiid was frustrated after the game a little bit about it, and I don't think Redick really gave it a chance for, uh, you know, the way that play is designed for the ball to get to Embiid. And mm-hmm. It seemed like that was going to be the shot no matter what. And it, it was an okay look. I mean, J.J. Redick is a really good shooter. He's a really good shooter from that range. Uh, it was okay, uh, you know, but but I, I would just say to, to you know, all, all the Sixers fans who were frustrated with that call, take a look at the other 112 possessions and, and what you saw from there. Because, you know, once we get into April and May, yeah, okay, then we can start being critical of, you know, last second calls. That's when that stuff really matters. For now, I think the fact that the Sixers look pretty good in that game should be, you should feel okay about that. Well, here's the thing that does have me worried is that you've got Embiid now for the second time in just a couple of weeks calling out the coaching staff and the way he's been used at the end of the game. So uh, how am I supposed to feel about that? Because here's my fear, Rich. It's like this is the superstar from, you know, budding NBA superstar now starting to use his power, throw his weight around, and things can get dicey here. I I, I just, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I don't blame you for, for that part of being uncomfortable. And I, I got to be honest, I, you know, I wasn't up there for, for the game. But I was really surprised he he criticized them again for that because just a couple weeks ago we did the same exact thing, and it was kind of a big deal. I, I know for a fact Brett Brown wasn't happy about the, uh, you, you know, the coming out in the media and voicing your criticisms there. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, I, of course I don't really care, you know, as a media member, please, you know, be as honest as you want <laughs> yeah, to be. Yeah. But – but as far as, like, a member of the team, I don't think I would feel great about it. I feel like that would get kind of annoying pretty fast. And I, I, I do understand it's it's hard fitting superstars together. I know Joel wants, you know, a million post touches. I don't really think his – you know, I haven't looked at his numbers over the past week, but, you know, when he made the first criticism, his post numbers really were about the same. He wasn't being used that much differently. Butler, if anybody – was the one who was sacrificing a little bit more. And, yeah, I, I do wonder, you know, you know, after hearing those comments, if, it, it'll be interesting, is after every tough loss and after every, you know, game where the, the bounces don't necessarily go to the Sixers' way, or is he going to be criticizing his usage? I, I don't know. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, because Brett Brown has been such a stabilizing force over these years, and he's had the relationship with the guys, and that's been a big reason to keep him around. But... If Embiid is going to start criticizing Brett Brown, are are we hitting an end of the road here, or do you think this is a fixable problem? I mean, I, I think it's a fixable problem. I think Joel likes Brett. I think Brett, with this specific group, has built up so much equity over the years, being there through the rough times. Uh, but yeah, I do think like Joel does need to realize uh, his words are going to have you know, they're, they're consequ- they have consequences. People are going to pay attention to uh, to what he says. I, I don't, you know, it's funny. They seem worse when, when you read them in the newspaper. When you, you know, after the game, 
he might say them, and it's it just seems like he's kind of just talking, and, and he's he's a little bit upset, but it's not it's not as pointed as it might seem just reading the quote uh, in the paper or online. But yeah, I, I think you know the last time they did this, Brett Brown had a he said I think he said he had a three or four hour conversation with them, and it wow. you know he he always brings up the point that you know, we've been through way worse stuff, and it's true. But yeah, this is a different type of problem because. I mean, let's be real here. Joel Embiid is the Sixers' best player, and what he wants, I mean, he's going to dictate how this franchise goes to an extent. But, you know, for now, I would sense that there wouldn't be a major problem. But, yeah, if he, if he keeps this up, I'll be interested to see. Yeah, and how much of this do you think has to deal with Ben Simmons and the lack of jumper? Well, it's certainly frustrating, I'm sure, for him. You know, there are times, you know, when he posts up, Ben Simmons is also in the lane. I think, you know, if the Sixers had the perfect spacing for Joel, they would have four guys standing on the three-point line. And, you know, if somebody tried to double him, he could find, you know, a three-point shooter. Ben Simmons is standing on the other side of the lane, basically. And, yeah, that's frustrating. I think it's also frustrating to Joe sometimes that he has to space the floor for three when Ben Simmons is posting up because he can shoot. I know he's he's under 30% this year, but – he has the ability to stretch the floor. I, I certainly think there's a frustration level there. Yeah, no. I mean, this is this is what happens when you have three good players. There needs to be some sacrifice from everybody. And, you know, I, I know Joel is the best of those three players, but I, I also think the, you know, with the way the Sixers have played, I know they lost the other night. Their offense has been a top-five offense since Jimmy Butler has gotten here. Things are working out pretty well. So it, it is a little bit surprising that he's as vocal about his role. Okay, and we're talking with Rich Hoffman from The Athletic on the Swartz Culleton guest line. And, and, Rich, here's the question, because a lot of people, when it comes to Simmons and his shot, they're just wondering why he's not shooting the ball. You know, he's a superstar player, and you know that that's the biggest flaw in his game. So for you, being at practices and being around the team, what's it like with him shooting? Why doesn't he shoot? I, I mean, I've seen him in warm-ups and practices shoot plenty of threes, and... I don't know. I don't know if it's a mental thing or whatever. It is. It is certainly frustrating. He came into this year saying, "Guys, I, you know, I worked on my jump shot in the off season, but I'm not going to be shooting threes or anything this year." And I thought, okay, that's reasonable. You know, maybe he'll try to extend his range. And considering where he started, this is going to be a process. But I think what what is is concerning to me is that he's even taken a step backwards. He's taking less shots from the outside. I know that was the uh, the prayer he threw up the other night was the longest shot of his career. I think it was 22 feet. Uh, he it, it's almost like he has taken a step backwards from last year, and that's just I that's just no good, man. Like he he is such a good player already. He affects the game in so many ways, but he has this one major flaw that really shows against teams like Boston and Toronto the teams the Sixers are going to have to beat to make the NBA Finals. And for him to make pretty much zero process on or uh, progress on it, it's, uh, it's certainly disappointing. Yeah, it is. And Rich, uh, of course, Rich Hoffman from The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at Rich underscore Hoffman. Thanks for hopping on the show to talk a little Sixers. Thanks, man.
Yeah, absolutely. Take it easy. So, why? Why? If you why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.